have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me fill you in on a few things. Like first and foremost, it's free. And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Then Anchor is going to distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on multiple platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more. Even better, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And it's so easy, even somebody like me can do it. Now download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And I know you hear me. (laughs) It's time to get spooky with tales from the hunt. From the heart of Music City in Nashville, Tennessee. Straight out of the Flynn Hendricks Enterprise Studios, we bring you our hosts, just Jeff and Flynn Hendricks for Tales from the Haunt. <laughs> Welcome back to episode two of Tales from the Haunt, and guys, we are about to get spooky. What's really spooky is it's an episode about me. Am I really that interesting? Jeff, what do you think? Eh, maybe. Eh, we're about to find out. We'll see if the (laughs) listeners tank after this. Now, anyway, guys, seriously, welcome back to episode two of Tales from the Haunt. We're back here in the Flynn Hendricks Enterprises studios, and man, that's still weird to say, but it's still awesome at the same time. And I'm your host, Flynn Hendricks, joined by our other host, who's taking a swig of water at the moment. (laughs) Jeff. Just Jeff. I put him on the spot and I did that on purpose because I knew he was going to drink the water. But guys, we are back for another awesome episode here and we're going to follow the same trend as our first episode where we told the story of basically how Jeff got involved in the haunt business and how he became a scare actor. So this time we're going to jump into it. We're going to flip the script and he's going to interview me. We're going to tell more of my side of the story and what my first season as a scare actor was like. And just some different things about how I got involved in the field as well. And some different things that happened throughout my season. But before we get into all that, please keep in mind that all views and things said on this podcast are the opinions and expressions of ourselves or our guests and are in no way, shape, or form affiliated with any of the haunts or attractions that we work for. So please keep that in mind and also remember that we are not here to throw any dirt on anybody, speak negatively or ill of anyone, and we are just here to have a good time, tell people how we got involved in this genre that we all love so much of haunted scary things and scare acting, and also lay the groundwork to and give an idea to people who may be wondering how do I get involved with that and kind of share our story so they have a better idea of how they can get involved in well. And in saying all that, if any haunts, attractions, or scary conventions would like to sponsor or advertise on this podcast, please check the show notes as we will have information for how you can do that. So without further ado, the reins of this show are being handed over to just Jeffrey here, and I am at his mercy. So Jeff, let's get spooky and ask away. All right. I I really am curious, and I don't think I've ever asked you. I mean, I know your your um, wrestling background. Mm-hmm. I know your improv background, your voice acting stuff. Oh boy! But what made you want to go from all of that to, like you said last week, 
putting on a 15-pound mask and a bunch of different cloth to weigh <laughs> your body down just to get the scare. Man, to be 100% honest with you, I don't even remember what it was that put the idea in my mind, but it all stems back to voice acting. Because, you know, going through the attractions myself, you know, I can't tell you how many I've been through, but you hear the things over the speakers, you hear the voices outside in the midway, you hear these different recordings, you hear them on the commercials, and my thought was, man, I'm trying to, you know, book more things as a voice actor, I'm trying to build up my resume and, you know, just get different things on it and, you know, start bringing in some income that way so I can hopefully at some point make that a full-time job. My thought was, I'm going to apply here and see if they could just use my voice for some things, if I could do some recordings for them and they just play them throughout the season and then hopefully get picked up, you know, for repeat seasons as the attractions change and, you know, alter the voices as need be. But... What actually happened was I had submitted the application and truth be told, living the the voice actor life and fulfilling that mindset completely, I submitted and forgot. You know, the old saying is submit it and forget it so it doesn't weigh you down. I submitted the application online, said, um, you know, I've got a, a demo reel available if necessary, sent everything off, forgot it about... Three weeks to a month later, I get a call. I, I missed it because I was at work. Got the voicemail, and as soon as I heard it, I called back immediately and was like, hey, we would like you to uh, to come down to one of our actor trainings. We would like to offer you a job. So I did. And, you know, yeah. lo and behold, this is the funny part because it all ties back into another thing you said right there with wrestling. Who's the first person to greet me at the door to let me in? <laughs> a guy I haven't seen who I know will be a future guest on here. I hadn't seen this guy since maybe 2008 or 2009, back when I used to wrestle with his dad. And now he's one of the guys that's offering me a job. Like, how does that happen? Like, it, it literally, like we said in your episode, like so much of this job and, and wrestling are so similar. And here's another thing of it right here. Yep. It's like, a guy that used to watch me wrestle his dad is now offering me a job here. And, you know, at first it was like, well, we may we may have some use on the voice actor thing. You know, we did the introductions. I met other people, you know, in that hiring class. And then it's like, hey, do you know anybody else that may want a job? I was like, oh, I think I've got just the guy for you. Lo and behold, he who shall not be named yet said, oh, I'm talking about Jermaine, by the way, who will be a future guest and who will get his balls busted on this podcast. You will all enjoy it. It will have an explicit rating. As, it will be fun. As we learned earlier today, though, we've got to we've got to work with his schedule. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he'll come on when we tell him to. But anyway, I was like, yeah, I can get him on here. Took some, you know, some pulling and some you know, like, dude, get it done. They want to hire you. So, like, he's like, yeah, we both got in there, and I think he ended up realizing, man, I shouldn't have drugged my feet because it was an awesome thing. But, man, like, it honestly came down to me wanting to build my voice actor resume, not even thinking about being outside, putting on a mask, being in the haunt itself or in one of the multiple haunts that we had on site. It was literally just me wanting to do more character voices, develop new things that I could take to different animation projects and different things like that, and just 
build myself up as a voice actor more than anything else, not even thinking about the benefits it would have or how I would be able to capitalize on the different dialect trainings I'd had, the improv background I had, or even like breaking out different parts of my wrestling gear to go with some of these costumes throughout the season. Like it literally just opened my eyes to a world of fun and things I didn't even think about just because I was so tunnel vision on wanting to build my voiceover career. You say go back to that's always going back to voice acting and yep. all that. Um, <coughs> it's it's really funny. Uh, we was we was trying out for Q line last year. Yes, last year was the first year that I tried out myself, and they put me right next to you. Like That's you're you're right. up here, and they put me right next to you, and I hear you doing your audition, and I'm going, how the hell do I follow this guy? I uh, like, I can't I can't top that. Like I can't do nothing. Dude, I'm I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. Like I forgot so much of what we actually did in that audition. I just remember thinking I bombed it. But I like the main thing that I'll remember, um, and again, this goes back to wrestling. I never would have even auditioned for Q Line that year had Ott, who is one of our makeup artists, one of our Q Line veterans, also a former professional wrestler, had no idea he was gonna be there till I showed up. He said, Hey, you know how to cut a promo, which is, you know, basically in wrestling, getting a microphone, talking trash, talking, you know, like talking up the crowd, being a good guy, being a bad guy. You know how to do that. You have an improv background. You need to get out there and apply for Q-Line. And it's like, I didn't even think about that. I thought that was something, you know, like you have to have more years under your belt to do. That just pretty much like opened the floodgates for how fun this season got. Yeah. And you mentioned there about people that have the experience in the years. Mm Mm-hmm. I've got more experience in years than you, but I didn't make it last year. And dude, I'm not even gonna and, lie, like I forgot that we stood right next yeah. to each other. Like I just so much of that was a blur. But again, too, it's like man, like it just it blows my mind because I honestly and I'm my own worst critic. You'll probably hear that a lot throughout these podcasts. And even on my other podcasts, I thought I bombed it. But I was just like, meh, you know what? I tried out. I had fun. I hope they like it. If they don't, I still got a job and I'm gonna have fun. Because up to that point, you know, we've been going through dress rehearsals of what we were doing in the houses. I was getting some good reactions from the leaders and management through that. And, you know, they were having fun coming through my spots in there. And I was like, you know, if I didn't get Q-Line, I would have had fun doing that. Mm-hmm. So it was all like just a whirlwind experience that I was not expecting. Yeah, and that's, that's something that I want our listeners to also understand is even as first year scare actors and haunters and whatever you may be doing, Get out and try out for the queue lines. Get in there and and get your feet wet with everything that you possibly can. That way you know what to expect for next year. And if if you don't make it that first year, maybe you will the next year because you're more seasoned. You know what to expect. Absolutely. And truth be told, too, one of the most exciting things about queue line that we were told and we I also picked up on is we got to set the course and have the first interactions with these people as soon as they got into like the houses and the haunt itself. Like they paid for their tickets, we're out there at the photo booths, or we're talking to them and scaring them, or just trying to entertain them because it wasn't always scary stuff. But like we are their first interactions, and we are priming them and getting them ready for the actors in the house. And in some cases, not only are you the first impression, but you're also the last impression. Yes, which also has you know. If you're standing in a line for 45 mm-hmm. minutes to walk through a 20-minute haunted house, yep. 
and then you get through the end of it and you're ready to go home, you still, you've got to come down. You still get that little bit of extra there at the end. Yep. Which that's, so. that's something I actually referenced in your episode, um, was, you know, like at the end of the night, you were talking about like, you know, the two step rule where you don't actually chase them because they'll think you're trying to become a part of your group with some of the different characters I did in Q line this year, which I know we'll probably get to here in a minute. <laughs> I would make it a point too, you know, like, especially if it was somebody that I got earlier in the night and I would see them leaving, you know, they'd wave me over and we'd start talking or they'd, they'd give me the point to get somebody in their group. Mm -hmm. I would do that. And then they would just kind of like forget I was there. And I'd start walking with them. And then I just start talking to him in character, like, so, Sue, where are we going? Do I get to go home with you? Do I get to kick him out and put him in the trunk? You know, like, just staying in character, <laughs> being weird, but giving them a laugh at the same time. And it was it was fun, you know, because that was always the thing. It's like, there's the VIP room, and you yep. go up there, and you scare these people that aren't expecting you to get them while they're waiting to get in an escape game, or whatever it is, you find the little nooks and crannies where you can just pop out and scare somebody, and they won't even know you're coming. It was a blast, and like it just it makes the night fun for them, or in some cases this year it really just pissed them off. So <laughs> can't please them all, <laughs> and, and that's true. You can't. But then that brings me back to talking about something we've discussed last week mm -hmm. or last episode, not last week, two weeks ago. It all runs together. <laughs> yeah. Time has no meaning at this point. Um, you got a little bit of taste of inside the house too. Yes. What was your your thought of how did you transition from outside to inside with a snap of a finger? Man, the hardest thing for me, especially in some of the darker rooms, granted, there'd be like strobe lights or flashing lights. It was just having enough depth perception to see where those people were to make sure that I didn't miss them. And I mean, there might have even been some situations where people knew something was coming. So again, it was also too just kind of like, you know what, they may they may talk like, oh yeah, we know he's going to jump out and scare us, or we know that, you know, just being, trying to be hot shit for their friends, to put yeah. it bluntly. And you still like, it's like, you know what, he's going to do that, but I'm going to get somebody in his group. Or I'm going to do something, I'm going to make him jump, whether he screams or not, and he's going to flinch. That's, that's a win in my book. It was just, honestly, when you're outside, it's like the entire place, or your little designated area is your playground. On the inside, you have your set area that you're in. And for me, it was just trying to find different ways to capitalize on what I had to work with and make it fun or scary or whatever it may have been for the people that were coming through. Because there were some people that, you know, it was just a, a laughing stock and entertainment. That can take actors out of their element. But if you can adapt to that and just go along with it, you know, it's just having fun, being adaptable. There's there's a lot of times when, when you scare the pants off somebody yep. and they fall down on the ground. It's, yeah. It's hard not for you to break character and start Absolutely. laughing Absolutely. I mean, and, and just rolling on the floor. So, I mean, I get exactly where you're coming from with that. And even on the inside, mm -hmm. at least on the inside, you can laugh because you've got your little hole to go back yep. into. Or there's, it's so loud inside that they can't hear you. Absolutely. And that was actually, speaking to the inside too... Um, Man, I, I've used this phrase a lot, but a future guest of ours uh, actually gave me a bit of advice when I was working in the pirate section of one of our uh, attractions inside the house. He said, hey, when you're a pirate, just be a dick. You know, just <laughs> get them off your ship because this is your ship. So I transitioned to that outside because a lot of the characters that I had outside 
weren't necessarily like you know they did scare some people mm-hmm. but if you saw them you wouldn't think like oh i'm about to you know like oh that's gonna make me pee my pants or or whatever you know you could come up behind somebody and startle them but they weren't necessarily what you would call like a stereotypical horror icon so i took that to my advantage and tried to make it a point where i was more entertaining and engaging with them so especially when i was like We'll call him Danglebeard the Pirate, or <laughs> some people called him Davy Jones because he had the squid face, but it wasn't the full thing and copyright reasons. We all yeah. know that fun stuff. I would just literally use my improv background and make jokes on people. Or if they had kids with them, I would tell them, you know, like those corny pirate jokes, like, what's a pirate's favorite restaurant? Arby. You know, something yeah. like that. Just something, some corny yeah. dad joke as a pirate. Or, you know, I would just start, you know, joking on people. I had a hook for a hand. I would tell the men, hey, free prostate exams. I hope you don't bleed as much as the last guy. You know, that would always get them or get the women. Like, there were just so many different things that that were able to be added to my character and my presentation and also gave me different ways to respond and interact when I would go inside the house, even if I wasn't that character. Yeah. So, since we're talking about pirates. Mm-hmm. I've got to just go ahead and ask the question. Yes. What was the thought that went through your mind when I said, you, wrestling gear, squid mask, tonight? Um, <laughs> truth be told, it's one, will the big man in charge say yes? His better half actually said, do it. Because she said, you know he'll like it, just do it. <laughs> then it was, which gear do I wear? Do I wear my revealing trunks and spandex, which for those of you that are familiar with wrestling gear, I had my trunks, which would almost be the equivalent of a Speedo. I had my long tights. And then uh, I had some combination of trunks and long tights where I would wear one over the other. And I think the consensus was, if you're going to do it, go all in, wear the trunks, wear the knee pads, wear the boots, Wear your entrance jacket, which was just a satin track jacket with a towel around my neck. And then I wore the squid mask. Now, coming from that, it's also like, man, okay, so my hands were painted. My arms were covered with the jacket. What about my legs? I can't go out there with just my, you know, like, flesh-colored legs. So, God, our first guest, man, like, she's going to have some interesting stories to tell about all the different ways she painted me, but she painted my legs to match, or my quadriceps specifically, to match um, the mask and my hands to make me look like more of a squid. And, you know, the whole thing was just like, I'm the rest, the heavyweight wrestling champion of the Atlantic Ocean. You don't <laughs> wrestle a squid. And it took people a while to figure out what that was. And most of them didn't even notice until I pointed out, like they'd ask, what are you? Like I'm a I'm a wrestler. What can't you tell? You know, it's like they look down. Oh my god, are you wearing pants? <laughs> you you was part of the UAW, the Unlimited Atlantis Wrestling. Yes, <laughs> or also the All Aquatic Wrestling League, the AAWL. But here's the kicker on that, and everybody like lost their mind when they didn't when they figured out I didn't get cold. It was like. 39 or 40 degrees it on was, Halloween and was I was outside cold. the only thing I had on was like an Under Armour what is it when it's is it the cold gear that keeps you warm it's whatever whatever the, <laughs> the Under Armour is warm, that keeps hot. you warm they do the reverse of it so it, it trips me out but I had that on under my jacket but then it's just bare legs uh, very thin spandex 
knee-high boots and knee pads. Yeah, you had your knee pads on. Yeah, I'm, so I'm like, <laughs> like and I, I'm fine right now. But then, of course, as soon as I get in the actor's lounge after four hours of that, I'm just like, oh, oh, I hate you, Jeff. I hate you, Jeff, but that was so fun. Yeah, oh, that man. was, that was um, I think that was my most memorable thing. That, that was definitely the best way to because, cap off the main season. Because I was outside the whole time, and I'm just sitting there watching you interact with people. Oh, yeah, and your, your wife, your, your, uh, the Mrs. Jeff was outside, too, yep. so I was out there messing with her. And and I remember walking down a few times, and I'd lean over the rail and go, how cold are you right now? Yeah, you would. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to no-sell it. I'm feeling good right now. Yeah, once while the adrenaline's going, it was you was still warm and fuzzy, wasn't it? That's it. Yeah, that's one thing too. If it's for the sake of entertainment and it's nothing too crass or something overly offensive, chances are if you dare me to do it or you say, "Hey, can you do this?" I'm gonna say yes. I want to entertain, and I'm not afraid to be. I'm not afraid to go the extra mile for that. Well, and that's what it's all about is the entertainment purpose. Then again, I know some people that do haunts to release frustration and then yes. anger towards people. And, and that's one thing that I tell a lot of new people that come in. They go, well, I don't know how to scare anybody. I'm not scary. And I say, act like it's somebody. Every person that is in every group is somebody that you don't like. Yep. And go after them with 100% of your energy every single time. Absolutely. And, and they come back to me at the end of the night and they was like, that works. <laughs> and there was one thing too, because I mean, guys, on my best day, unless I'm wearing altered wrestling boots, I'm generally 5'5", five, 5'6". Five, five, so... I'm a thick, like, stocky little dude, but... Dad bod. Prob- yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> Dad bod with a barrel chest. But, I mean, like, one of the biggest things that stuck out to me was an acting... And, you know, it was just a piece of advice that all actors have been given at some point or another. It's like, don't worry about this. Don't worry about that. Just go back to the sandbox and have the confidence you did to commit to a character like you did when you were four years old playing with army men in the sandbox or playing with Godzilla and King Kong or Batman and the Joker and you're out there doing these characters and you don't care who hears it because you're having fun. And if you're engaged in it, your audience, whether it's an audience of one or an audience of thousands like we had this season, people will be engaged if they can tell you're having fun with it and not just putting on a facade or just being there to check a box. Because they yeah. will pick up on that energy. And and you said audience of a thousand, and that's no exaggeration. There were some nights we had two to three thousand people in one night through our busiest part of the peak season. Oh yeah, and there were actually uh, one of the nights, there were, I think there were two. One of them I actually had off for a family obligation, but I know, uh, I, God, I keep saying this phrase. People, you can take a shot every time I say it. You may have some fun doing that. I'm not responsible for what happens to your liver, but... Future guest of the show, Jermaine, because I took off the night before Halloween so that I would be able to do something related to the holiday so that I could do pumpkin carving and do something with my kids, do trunk or treat at our church, whatever we ended up doing, I can't remember. But, uh, you know, he was sending me messages to like two in the morning saying, dude, we just got done. But the weekend before that, I think it was one that was generally expected to be a lower one. This is actually where I was in character out in the parking lot guiding and organizing the lines to get them where they needed to be. And if you're familiar with the haunt that we work at in Nashville, this went all the way up into the shopping center. So I'm up there in character walking the parking lot, trying to keep people out of traffic 
and trying to just guide them and keep it going. And it was nonstop, man. My next question is, you being an outside actor, how did you combat the crowds to the point to where you could keep them entertained? Because, I mean, standing in line for two or three hours does get boring. Yes. And as a Q-line actor, your job is to entertain. Right. How did you handle going from, let's go to this group, to this group, to that group? How did, like... What was your time frame of how long you would interact and things like that? It would depend on the area that I was in. At one point, I was strictly around like the ice cream truck, which was kind of gated off. And, you know, like it's the ice cream truck. Then it's the lines right there. So I'm inside of it. And, you know, I would see people coming or I would get them coming on the way out because I was right there by the exit, too. I would just hop back and forth. Some nights it was kind of slow and, you know, I had more free time to play and, Spend a little bit longer with some of these people. I had little things like ice cream shooters that were just like little puffy ice cream cones. I could shoot it and it would shoot somebody. You know, I could shoot at them and make them jump. But it would come back on a string or just different things like that. But then I got into some other characters and actually had more freedom to get out and roam around. And at that point, it was just a matter of, I don't want to say lurking, but just kind of sitting there and picking my spots because... Whether it was at the photo booth or, you know, like all the way down in the midway and down at the bottom haunts down there where I generally was, there was just opportunities to walk the lines and find new people, find the people that would either get mouthy, which were like juniors and seniors in high school trying to show out for their friends or show out for the girl they were trying to impress who (laughs) probably just put them in the friend zone. You know, finding these different ways to jump out and hide out, you know, hide with them. Or I'm sorry, not hide with them, but hide and jump out and scare them. Or, you know, like at this point too, it's like I would see some guys and say, oh, look, it's the future fraternity brothers of America. They let you out a Greek row tonight. And, you know, like it would just be <laughs> on from there because they would try to, one, sometimes it would be like my joke would go over their head or my insult would go over their head. They would have to figure out what I said and then try to come back with it. And by that point, it was already like too late because their group was already laughing at them or somebody else was already laughing at them. And that actually worked in my favor at one point because uh, when I was in the Danglebeard getup, these two girls were there on dates. One had just gotten engaged. The other was there with her boyfriend. And this entire time, these girls were getting no attention from these guys. They were just talking about hunting. So... Literally, this is one where I, I'm not going to say I stayed too long because it was an entertaining bit for everybody in line. (laughs) People were actually like keeping track on their watch of how long I was there. I stood with both of these girls and we were just talking to people around us. And, you know, I had them arm in arm. These guys weren't even paying attention. They didn't even notice me. For 45 minutes, I stood there talking to the people around them, talking to the people in the line. And it's like, well... How am I going to tell my wife I'm bringing two more home, you know? It's like, she just got engaged and she's already left him, you know? It's like, I guess having my own pirate ship works in my favor. And I was just like making jokes and ripping on these guys. It's like, yeah, they want to go on their uh, dude's camping trip. We've all seen movies for how that turns out, you know, keeping it PG so it's not too blatantly offensive. But, you know, this went on for 45 minutes before one of the girls finally just said, all right. This is getting sad if they haven't even noticed this yet. And she just turned around and snapped on the guy. 
And I just slowly made my exit and went to the back of the line and started the process all over again. But I was able to get them one more time before they went in the house. And I just kind of took my little, my little tentacle and waved at them. It's like, you can put the ring on there if you want. It's like, you know, you can get down on one knee and propose to me now. I think that's, I can marry us if that happens. You know, just again, keeping the joke going. And it's just like, you know, it's just, it's hard to say though, to get back to the original question. On the busier nights, I would try and just pop up and do a quick little thing, make a quick little insult or something just to get their attention. Then I was off to the next person. But on the slower nights, I would take my time and just, you know, make it more of a conversation because some of those people ended up being, you know, folks that would come from out of state, come from over two hours away in Chattanooga. Mm -hmm. They were either other haunt actors or just haunted house enthusiasts that had seen the, you know, the scores and the ratings or had been longtime followers of our haunt. So they made the trip to come there and they would always tell me at the end of the night, like, dude, you were one of the funniest guys here. Not that it's a competition by any stretch, but like, thank you for, you know, just being so engaging and communicating with us because like, that was something I saw Ott do and he had people that would come just to see him and then enjoy the rest of the house. And they followed him from other haunted houses. So it was just, again, trying to build that relationship with these people when the opportunity was there, whether it was brief, extensive, and just being engaged with everybody so that I wasn't just some guy there checking a box and they'd, they'd write it off in a bad review or something. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the kind of impressions that we want to have. Absolutely. Is is the lasting one because you, you'll notice it this coming season mm-hmm. is that you'll have people that you struck that that nerve with or that you made that lasting impression on they'll remember you absolutely they might not remember the new costume you've got on yes but they might remember your voice or they might remember your your tone or god forbid i say this your height yes i mean which that's that's one thing that got me too is because there were some nights i'd be leaving uh you know we'd be leaving probably around like we'll just say 1130 on a Sunday or on one of the weeknights, there would still be people there that were coming out of the VIP area. I'd walk right past them with my bag. Wouldn't even say anything to them. Or I might say, you know, like, Oh, excuse me or whatever. Never even realize it like that. I I, I loved that part Uh of just being able to be incognito, be anonymous. Nobody knew who I was. I love that. That's what makes it fun to me too, is that that's somebody that you just scared the pants off of. Mm-hmm. You went back five minutes, changed completely out of your costume. You're in civilian clothes now, yep. and you walk right by them again, and they just think you're just another Joe in this crowd. You know, man, I wish it took five minutes. Matter of fact, I wish it took five <laughs> minutes to change in wrestling too, because that's always <laughs> the hardest part. But man, yeah, you're exactly right because you walk right past them. Nobody thinks a thing about it. Yeah. Nobody tries to stop you. Nobody even tries to go. Hey, which one were you? Who said I work here? You yeah. know, like. That's just maintenance. <laughs> yeah, like nobody, nobody does that. You're just another guy there that was trying to enjoy the haunt. It's, it's amazing. With my next question, I want to ask, what is your work-life balance through haunt season? Because I know, you know, we discussed it a little bit last episode. We work our day jobs, mm-hmm. and then we go straight to the haunt. There's sometimes we come home midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning, and our spouses are already in bed. The kids are already asleep. You know, how do we make extra time for them so that we don't feel like they're just pushed to the side during oh, hunt season? Man, I'm not going to lie. I dropped the ball on this, especially in a self-care, 
you know, portion of it because I was just gung-ho on work, 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 work. There was so much going on, but I will say my wife may not have always got the best of me because I was always just so tired. Like, I would just say if we can just sit on the couch, watch one of our shows, and I just don't talk because my voice is fried from auditions. It's fried from doing these voices, which, you know, you're doing that for hours on end. You've got to give yourself vocal rest. That's something they tell you straight out of the gate. Uh, You know, it's like, we could do that. But I mean, like, I always made it a point to make sure that I made it to my oldest son's baseball games, made it to all his practices. If I was running late for some reason, thank God my uh, my godparents live close, so they were able to take him. I was able to meet him there, so I still got everything done. But in the grand scheme of things, I wasn't getting enough sleep. Spoiler alert: I'm still not now. Um, and I made really it, ever. yeah, I made it a point too to start making these jokes after every night when I still had my makeup on, where I had like the blackout paint around my eyes. Yep. It was always like, "Hey, I found my inner raccoon," or "Hey, how many days do you think it's been since I've actually slept?" But as it started going, and I tallied it up, and I even had a post where like I just, I had to come out and just say it on social media because that was the only way I really needed to do is like, look. By the time this season ends uh, and blackout, I will have worked, I think it was like 62 or 63 days straight. And that's including 9 to 5 job, voiceover auditions, improv, haunt life, being a dad, our dog that we just recently lost uh, due to cancer. We were, I was in and out of the, you know, emergency vet down in Franklin, Tennessee, which is about a 30 to 35 minute drive, depending on traffic from our house, multiple times a week because we didn't know what was wrong with him at the time. They were doing all these tests. He wasn't eating. So like it was literally just everything on top of me and I could not get a good night's sleep to save my life. And it got to the point too, where I was walking in there and I was making jokes with the makeup artists like, guys, I don't think you're going to have to give me blackout tonight because my eyes, I just got these bags under them. You know, it's like I've been beat with a bag of quarters under the eyes. I was just so tired. But like you said in your episode, though, when we got out there and we got the makeup on and it was go time, it was just like, okay, here we go. Some nights it was a little bit slower to warm up, but I mean, it was just like wrestling all over again where I don't encourage this, but you could show up hungover, you could show up tired, sore, whatever it was. But the second the music hits or the second you walk through the curtain, that adrenaline kicks in in your body and it's like the ultimate drug, you know? And it's like, again, I've never done drugs, so I don't know what that's like, but I've heard stories and by all accounts, especially with how much I miss it in the off season, like you said too, it's like you're chasing that dragon to find that Mm -hmm. fix and get that rush again, because that's what makes you feel alive and feel fulfilled. And then in that regard too, not saying that being husband, being dad or anything like that, or, any of these other things doesn't make me feel fulfilled, but when I feel fulfilled with my artistic endeavors, it gives me a better Flynn to give to everybody else around me because I don't feel like I'm giving from an already empty cup. And by the time that uh, that last day was done for Blackout, man, like I just remember it was an awesome experience because I was exhausted. We got done, which was a surprise to me. I forgot about it. The night before, we got done early, like 10 o'clock, because I forgot it was a shorter day, the Friday after Halloween. We uh, actually got to drive down the next day, 
like at six o'clock in the morning before the sun was even up with my oldest son. We went to meet a voice actor that I grew up on, did some workshops with, and just, you know, it's like you would think by all accounts, by the time I got back into Nashville, six hours round trip, you know, like I would have been dog tired, just ready to go to sleep. But it's like seeing how excited my son was to be involved with something like that and then getting to go again and get that second rush of adrenaline doing this for blackout like dude i i don't know any other way to describe it but it was like the most fulfilling weekend i have had in a long time as far as like artistically and like i don't know man it's just it's that made it feel like crossing the finish line i wanted to do it all over again not the dog part not the vet part but like every single part of these artistic endeavors Doing that, uh, I don't want to say starving artist lifestyle, but, you know, working a job, then going to fulfill that dream and chase that dream. I wanted to do all that over again. Like, yeah. I was just ready to go again. Yeah. But, honestly, I'm guilty of taking a lot more on my plate than I should because sometimes I don't know how to say no. Still learning that. <laughs> um, but I've slowly started being able to, you know, whittle down what's important what I want to do and where I want my priorities to lie. And that has made a lot of this, it's made a lot more of this bearable and a lot more fun too, because it's not, it doesn't feel like it's work at that point. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing right there. I'm still learning the time management and how to delegate myself better to make sure I'm not cheating those around me, especially my family. But man, truth be told, like once my wife kind of understood what was going on, like how the haunt system and, everything works you know she came to some of the after parties and met everybody you know it's it's made it a lot easier too for you know like being able to get these wild kids in bed and get them ready to go you know like while i'm not there or whatever it may be but yeah man it's uh looking back at it now i think it's going to be a lot easier to manage as we get into the next full season as opposed to coming in kind of blind and just winging it with everything else going on in the process too yeah. so yeah and having that that good balance there yeah one thing that i've always tried to do is that it's it's then it's still difficult is mm-hmm. that the days that we still have to go in but i'm off from my day-to-day job i still yes. try to make time for them i still absolutely hey i've got to go to be at the haunt at four or five o'clock yep but here's what we're going to do until that time yep and then we go you know somewhere with the kids and hang out or whatever Absolutely. it may be. But please let me sleep in before we do any of this. Yeah. But don't get me up till, you know, 630. Yeah. That's, too, that's still too early. Uh, anyway. My, my, if I got my wife up at 630 on a Saturday morning, she'd kill me. So you, we, we'd never find the body. I didn't say that out loud. I apologize, Mrs. Jeff. Um, so my next question is we, I'm going to roll back just a hair. Uh-huh. We was talking about how that fulfillment gave you the adrenaline to go just keep pushing, keep pushing. Yeah. Um, is there ever a point when you had that adrenaline rush that you might have taken it too far that you Man. feel you pushed a little too hard towards a guest or, you know, somebody trying to get that scare? There was one time, I'm not going to give you the stereotypical because I did have one where it did kind of set someone off into a panic attack and they had to be escorted out of the haunt for, uh, you know, just to, to get medical treatment and calm down before anything serious happened. There was one time, it was a Saturday actually, and it ended up being, I think it was like our fourth biggest Saturday of the season. It was getting closer to Halloween. 
No, I'm sorry. It was the Saturday, not October 30th, but the Saturday before that. I was down um, getting, you know, it was the first group of guests coming into the haunt. Uh, sun's going down. I just remember this vividly. There was a smaller girl, a bigger girl, and their family. I'm in character as Danglebeard. I get into it. I just start making fun of the dad because it's October. He's wearing his University of Kentucky gear. He's so tall that he looks like he's wearing short shorts, whereas the shorts he'd be wearing on somebody like me would just be regular size shorts. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm going in the character, oh, you let your dad out of the house like that. My God, what's next? You want a free prostate exam or something like that? You know, just going in a character there. And then um, he starts talking to him and he goes, my daughter's name is fill in the blank here. So I start talking to her. I don't know which one's his daughter. I don't know if it's the small girl. I don't know if it's the big girl. But I start talking to him. I just start going back and forth. They're laughing along, having fun. I say to the smaller girl, you got to tell me before you go in, who do you think is prettier? Me or Mama June? Everybody starts laughing. This girl goes ballistic. Like, waterworks, tears, everything. And I'm just like, I didn't think I said anything that offensive. Like, our dad's laughing at it. Like, <laughs> am I going to be in trouble? Like, do I need to go tell management? Like, what am I? what do I do here? So I just kind of de-escalated the situation. I just kind of, like, walked away. I was like, good Lord, you're crying. But, I mean, at least you don't look like you got ran over by two semi-tires like I do, you know, trying to... Yeah. turn it around on myself and make her feel better. And that just made it worse. But it's like, uh, and you know, the dad just says on the way, ah, she'll be fine. You know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know that. That was the one time I felt like I went a little bit too far, but you know, then of course there were the situations where I did have people threatening me. And again, as, as I mentioned earlier, you know, it was a uh, high school juniors and seniors. You find out after the fact that were you know, trying to show out for their friends and they're mm -hmm. like, Man, dude, I'll take you down and I'll I'll punch you in the face. I'll fish hook you. Like they were telling all this graphic stuff, and I said, you know what? And I, I was still in character. I said, you know what? If you really want to show out to your friends that bad, hop over the fence and then we'll you know we'll go figure it out. Just that was going back to like the inner wrestler in me because there was a group of people around here. Like everybody was watching it, and it's like I'm not gonna let you get the better of me in this situation. I know we're not going to go over there, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to make you think it. And he finally backed off of it. But it's again, one of those where it's like, I'm going to go ahead and just tell, you know, tell somebody above me just in case. But it's like, yeah. you, you kind of got to tread a fine line there and not let your emotions get the better of you because that kid ended up being 17. And it's like, had that really happened, oh boy, I'd probably be in jail right now. Well, and those are the groups that, 15 minutes later, you say, oh, look, there goes security walking them out the yep, door. that's true. I mean, those are the ones that you see that happening. I but, mean, my very so. first night in, opening <clears throat> night of the season, one of the kids in a group that took a swing at me, that whole group by the end of the night is literally yep. being escorted out by security, by police, because some people just come to cause problems. Mm -hmm. And I have to uh, give props to our security team. We have one of the best security teams Absolutely. in the haunt industry. And like, they're, they're on it. And truth be told, too, credit has to go to the actors for being able to adapt and handle those situations oh, yeah. without escalating them. Because, I mean, that that takes a lot of skill in and of itself right there to make sure everybody still has a good time, nobody gets hurt, 
And, you know, the situation is just de-escalated, even if it does end up with somebody being escorted out. But, yeah, man, I think making that girl cry was probably the one where I went a little too far, but I guess it made for a good story because it made it on the podcast. Yeah. And we learned from those situations. Absolutely. Like you learned that you can push boundaries. You've learned what to, and, and that, like you said, that happened really quickly, like with the snap of a finger. Yep. Within you the first 15 ex- minutes. You didn't even expect her to flop from laughing about it to just breaking down. Yeah. Crying. And I mean, I, I'm not even kidding when I say that was within the first 10 to 15 minutes of Gates opening. Yeah. On a Saturday night. And we had seven more hours to go. It's all downhill from there. Yeah. Yeah, there's... I guess once you get to the bottom, you can say it's all uphill, right? Yeah. It really was. When you made somebody cry that much, you feel like you're just coming at the bottom of the bucket, right? Pretty much, yeah. And it was all uphill to get to the exit gate that night, too. Or in your case, that night, you was uh, Captain Danglybeard, so you was the chum at the bottom of the bucket instead of the scum. I was the barnacle on the bottom of the ship. (laughs) I think I'm pretty much all out of questions for this episode, and we're, you know, 47 minutes in now. Man, and it feels like it's flown by, too, (laughs) which, dude, it blows my mind. That's one thing I love about these podcasts, whether it's the I Know You Hear Me podcast or the trend that I'm seeing now with this one. These conversations fly by, and I'm hoping that our listeners are having as much fun, you know, listening to them as we are doing them, because, I mean... Thankfully, we're able to actually do this in person, which adds a whole nother level of fun and excitement to it. But, you know, I just hope that they are having as much fun with these as we are, because, guys, there's a lot more that's going to be coming with this podcast. There's a lot that we want to cover. There's a lot of awesome guests. Like Jeff said, man, we don't just have scare actors. We're going to have makeup artists. We're going to have people that actually, you know, like run haunts. They have to tell us about, you know, like what it's like, what they look for in actors. We're going to talk about why people are attracted to things that are scary. Like Jeff said on his episode, he was a scare actor that didn't like going into the houses. So we're going to get in like and just give our opinions and try and break down how that works with people. Like there's a lot of cool things that we have the opportunity to discuss and do with this podcast. So I hope you guys stay on board and, you know, just... Keep listening every time we drop an episode. Keep the support up and get this out to your friends, especially if they are into things horror, Halloween, anything spooky. Spread the word on this podcast. Yep. Touching back on what he's saying a little bit, our next episode coming out in two weeks now is going to be our makeup manager at our personal haunt that we're at. And she's also a haunt tech, which means that she goes in and does maintenance on things. If if something gets broken by a group that goes through or whatever, she goes in behind them and fixes them. Um, my favorite thing about that is you get to watch her be like a little ninja, just bouncing everywhere oh, trying yeah. to fix things, trying to avoid the group so she doesn't get drug up in the big chaos pile, you know? Yep. And also, too, like you said, ninja, that's the best way to put it because they try to do this so the other groups that are in the house don't see that and they still get the full experience. Oh, yeah. They'll, they'll be on a ladder in the middle of the haunt. Literally, I have seen them on a ladder in the middle of the haunt. A group's coming, and they just freeze, and people think they're props. It's, it's yeah. really great how that happens. Yeah, we're really excited about having that episode next week, or next two weeks. Yeah, so. man, again, time has no <laughs> meaning here. It's 2022. We're still on pandemic time. Everything is a blur. But I will also say we do have to discuss some of the weirdest things and designs she has painted. And spoiler alert, I know a few of them have been on me. 
So we'll get into that too. But uh, man, like I said, we've got so much content, awesome stuff coming within the next few months. So I hope you guys will not only subscribe if you haven't already, leave us a five-star review if you like what we're doing. Follow us on all social media platforms. We're on Instagram and Twitter. We're soon to be on all podcast platforms. Right now, we're on Spotify. We're on Anchor. We'll be on Google Podcasts in the near future. We're also going to be on Apple Podcasts. So guys, get the word out. Get on the bandwagon. Ride the wave while the momentum is high because it's only going to get better from here. And guys, I cannot wait to bring you another spooky episode when we sit down and talk with our makeup manager, Emily Middleton. Jeff, you got anything else that you want to leave us with? I'll just leave you all with one last thing. Until next time, stay spooky. And I know you hear me. Oh, we do thank you for listening this week, and we hope you'll tune in next time for another spooktacular episode. <laughs> Tales from the Haunt has been a Flynn Hendricks production. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>